I have like this culture, I definitely have to work harder to meet this expectation that yes, I can prove a point and be better. It's just this sort of vicious cycle of never being aware if you're good enough or if it's like the odds are against you because like the line is so fuzzy, you kind of doubt yourself like, am I actually good enough or is there really this disadvantage around me that I just can't control? Hello and welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising BAPOC artists who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Ozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okumura Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Latanya White. They are a half-Korean, half-African-American artist working as a 2D artist at Serenity Forge. Would you mind telling us a bit more about yourself? So I'm a 2D artist at Serenity Forge. Um, I also like to write, uh, just draw my free time, play video games. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great. So the way we like to start off straight ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. We are going to give you two similar choices, and you have to choose in between the two of them, and then let us know why. Okay. Uh, sounds cool. Yeah, I'll start it off. So, first question. Whose laboratory would you rather explore? Jimmy Neutron's from Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius or Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory? <laughs> um, that's a good question. I think... I feel like I would like to explore Dexter's lab. Um, <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah, more abstract. <laughs> just, just a little. I feel like for Jimmy Neutron, like as a character, and I don't know if anybody else feels this way, but he's kind of pretentious. Like he, <laughs> yeah, he, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> he just kind of acts like he's right and like he uses all these big words that aren't very necessary and i feel like it's just so bloated whereas dexter he's kind of just got this mad scientist vibe and it just you just go with it and that's kind of more the process i'd be interested in seeing is somebody who's just they're smart they they create some interesting things and like how does that work as opposed to someone who i guess Acts smart. It's very like chaotic. <laughs> Dexter's lab. Plus, I think he's done. I think Dexter probably has also done some cooler stuff. Like, I think he's built a mech. So, there's, yeah. I would like to see that. There's a lot of stuff in his. Yeah. You could do a lot more with the 2D <laughs> than 3D back then. I think too much about the goldfish episode where it just kind of comes out from the dead. I'm like, oh, that's that's something. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> forgot about that. <laughs> All right. Would you rather retire to the world of Animal Crossing or Harvest Moon? So I'm going to go with Animal Crossing. Um, playing <laughs> both, like living in a little city full of animals is just really appealing to me. And they're all just kind of cheery. And so that's not to say that Harvest Moon isn't that way. I just feel like the aim of Harvest Moon by the end is like, you have to like build up these relationship bars with people and then eventually get married and that's not really my lifestyle. <laughs> it's more otome. <laughs> it's very otome. I'm just like I, I like those games as a concept, but apply it to my life, I'm like, mm, I wanna I wanna talk to animal people. A good choice. It sounds like the life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, also, like, I feel like a huge focus of Animal Crossing is, like, just decorating your home, and I want to do that. Especially the new one. It's very, like, sandboxy. You can kind of, like, yeah get really um, creative with it. 
Oh, yeah. Awesome, awesome choices. That was in between. Hopefully you had fun with us playing that little game. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> So, Latanya, you're currently working at Serenity Forge, a video game development studio and publisher based out in Boulder, Colorado. Uh, For those that also may not know, their vision is to also create meaningful games that challenge the way you think. What is it like to be a 2D artist at Serenity Forge? So, Serenity Forge is like a small indie game studio. Um, We're not, you know, AAA or anything. And because it's smaller, I guess one of my favorite things about working at the studio is that I get to wear, like, many different hats. Because, like, you know, as a person who's never really been too sure about what role in art they wanted to take in life and, like, not sure what they wanted to focus on, this is almost, like, a bit of, like, a dream. Because, like, while I don't think working on one thing and one thing only is, like, inherently a bad thing, I just think having a nice change of pace is always refreshing like it keeps me on my toes and I guess it just gets my mind going because it never really feels redundant like one day I will be just drawing 2D art concepts here and there or maybe another day I'll be animating or doing pixel art and like on some occasions I'll just have to learn something new completely and just all together it makes me feel like I'm kind of growing as an artist and expanding my skill set but being in this environment you have to be like a bit of a quick learner flexible and it, it just feels good to be able to just do multiple different tasks and be like hey I do this and I do that and it just feels like in a way you're important no matter what like if this game doesn't call for the role that you're destined for or whatever like yeah <laughs> yeah like hey I'm an animator and like this game's like well we don't really need you you could at least do something else and that's like mm. you still feel like you're contributing to like the greater picture and overall it's a team effort and it's very nice I think that's actually one of the the cool benefits about working at a smaller studio is that yeah, you get to do more than uh, if you were at a bigger studio. Like, I know when I was previously interning at Tonka House, a lot of the coworkers there, they did more roles than what their official title was. And I think it creates that ability to wear those different hats and really grow and a nice way to kind of be refreshing and not to get stagnant or bored with what you do. Yeah, like, ultimately, I've never worked in, like, a bigger studio to say so for sure. But, like, I guess just, like, seeing other people's experiences online, not necessarily negative, it does feel like there's a bit more freedom and a bit more, like, I guess a more familial atmosphere to it all. Mm. Because, like, I guess working in, like, in a company of, like, maybe 500 people just feels different than one with 20 where you do feel like you have a bit more of a voice in it. I do recall one of my professors Mm -hmm. telling me a story about like he used to work at Disney and he also worked at a few smaller studios which I can't remember the name of but um, (laughs) essentially he said that his greatest experience has always been like those smaller studios to him so I do tend to like keep that in the back of my head. So for you uh, Latanya how long were you out of school before you landed your first job? I was out of school for about one year, I think. And I think that kind of worked out for me because I did just kind of want a year-long break. I think it was like a a year and a half, maybe, or maybe. But it was around that time frame. I think that's normal, though. From what I've heard is like one or two Mm -hmm. years out of school, like you might not snag anything for a bit. Yeah. How was was your year-long break? Like, was it just because school was like a lot? And so you were like, I need to 
decompress or did you like work on personal projects? It wasn't necessarily burnout or anything, but it was mm-hmm. just feeling the need to like build on my portfolio more. Like I know college is like the time to work and establish yourself in some way or form. But like for me, I wanted to do more of it because like by the end of college, I felt like what I've learned was enough to that point where I was like, I could make this better because I came out with stronger art than I started with. And I just felt like what I had was not representative at the time. I also just wanted like a mental break for this freedom. Honestly, that's also very important. Sometimes people need a break and they don't realize it. Yeah. And it's like perfectly fine to do so. Were you working on like um, um, pixel art and things like that? Because usually like in, in a school setting, people would be like rendering, painting, like doing kind of like normal business stuff. Not a lot of pixel art. Actually, no. Um, pixel art was something I've actually started doing ever since like middle school or high school. The mm. main reason I actually, I actually really stopped doing pixel art for the longest time because it would put too much stress on my eyes and they would start to bleed a bit. Oh no! So, uh, oh yeah. Actually, um, it was kind of interesting to me because the next time I ever really started picking up pixel art again was because I got hired at Serenity Fort and somebody mentioned, "Can you do pixel art?" I'm like, I think. So, um, because it, it's been a while, it's been a while, and um, I showed some things that I did because I was also into tabletops at the time, where I was like, let me mm. create little pixel assets for my tabletop group, and I showed them that, and they're like, you know, that's actually pretty close to the style we're looking for. So I was like, oh. yes. <laughs> so it's kind of what oh, nice. <laughs> And my eyes actually don't get so irritated now, and it's because I have a healthier setup because you know, back in middle school, I was probably like six inches from my screen, and that's probably my eyes did that. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. So was Serenity Forge your first industry job? Have you been there ever since? Uh, yeah, Serenity Forge my first industry job. Um, I never had any job experience outside of that, so I'm glad they took that chance on me because um, you know, it's kind of hard to get a job without experience, yeah. even at an indie studio. That's really cool. I'm really happy that they took a chance on you and you're working there. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us uh, some of the games that you've worked on while at Serenity Forge and what has been your favorite game so far to work on? Ooh, okay. So far, the games I've worked on are um, The King's Bird is like a speedrunning platforming game. People do compare it to Sonic because of how fluid and quick it is. The art style itself is very much inspired by games like Journey, where you essentially play as a girl who's been living inside a kingdom called the Case Kingdom for her entire life, and finally she escapes it just to see what the world is like around her, only to see that it's all in ruins. It's also very accessible. We have, like, you know, handicap options for people who just want to play the game casually because when it comes to games like Super Meat Boy it's like really Mm. easy to just get hung up on it and be like I just can't can't do it so we like to make things accessible for people that's really cool mm-hmm. yeah I, I quite enjoy that aspect yeah that one in particular when I uh looked at it on steam it's really beautiful and it would be a shame like not to be able to to go through the game just because yeah. of disability or like you have like the the controls just to work for you but that's really cool that that it it is accessible and i think that's something that everybody should be thinking about for their games it's like yes yeah. being mm-hmm. challenging is good and fun but like sometimes we yeah. just want to experience the story yeah by the end of the day i i think it doesn't really hurt to just you know expand your game to audiences that likewise might have not been able to play it 
mm. you know, just, yeah. just want to enjoy it. The other game that I worked on early on was um, Half Past Eight. It's a 2.5D pixel art game. And I, I think it's pretty unique on its own. Not necessarily because the 2.5D style, like Ox, Octopath Toddler um, does that as well, but there's some new upcoming pixel art games with this sort of style. But I think it's personally unique in the point that I don't think I've ever heard of a rom-com point-and-click adventure game apart mm-hmm. from Past Past State. And I think it's got its own <laughs> little charm. It's just, it's very slice of life You just sit down and play it and just have a good time. Yeah, I really liked it. I played a bit of it. Um, at first, it does seem like a like dating sim kind of game. Yeah. <laughs> I think because there's a lot of hearts everywhere. But it like, that's a very small part of the game. It's really more about like coincidences yeah. and like mm-hmm. life. And like you said, like slice of life and the characters. And it's it's very charming. I really like it. Highly recommend. Yeah, I think that was like a common thing where everybody's like, is this a dating sound? Nah, it's, it's, it's not, but it's, it's yeah. definitely nice in its own regard. My favorite games I've got to work on. Um, so these are two upcoming games that we got announced on from Wholesome Stack. Land of Screens um, is one of them. It's a game... I wouldn't say it's like half past fate, but it is also a point and click adventure game and you follow the story of a girl named Holland who is getting over a breakup and you know, she can't stop checking her ex on her social media. But eventually she accidentally leaves her phone charger behind and so she just ends up going on this trip and making connections along the way. And I think it's pretty charming. It's got a also pretty flat two D style. It's not necessarily pixel art, but um it's kind of got that same point of spirit to it that Half Past Fate does. And another mm-hmm. one that I quite enjoyed working on was Date Night Bowling, where oh. <laughs> it's pretty much a dating game mixed in with a WarioWare game. So you're bowling <laughs> and you're playing these WarioWare mini games to build up your connection with your uh, date. And I, I think it's pretty fun and fast paced. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, also Pixar in those quite fun to work on um both those coming out next year and i, I definitely keep a out for those as well as future titles down the line because they are pretty exciting i think oh, that's really cool i have a question so all of these games that you've described they're pretty like wildly different in styles i would say mm-hmm. is there any way that you some people have like you know their portfolio will be like a certain look so that they can like you know snag that job being like hey i can do this artwork you know you'll, yeah. you'll be hired for that job is there a way that you like prepare for switching to styles or is it just kind of like something that you're able to do um yeah i guess that just kind of goes back to the whole having to wear mini hats and i guess it's just Mm -hmm. the nature of this studio where i'll just have to um jump from project to project and admittedly me personally i don't really have a hard time doing so like it it Mm -hmm. just seems to come naturally to me in a way where it's like suddenly i'm working on pixel art and another day it's just animation and even though they're just drastically different, I have a pretty all right time with it. And I guess as um, a Serenity Forge as a whole, like when it comes to indie game studios, they tend to have like a sort of set style. Like if you think about super giant games, like they have a pretty established style. Yeah. But mm-hmm. like at Serenity Forge, like we kind of come to realize we don't really have a set style, but we actually embrace that in a way that like we like that our games are diverse and just different and that, that's fun uh, yeah i think that's really cool it gives you opportunity to experiment as well it mm-hmm. doesn't tie you to 
a specific look. I think especially with games, I think like if I mean I I'm not much of an avid gamer, so I may be completely wrong in saying this, but I think I think when you allow yourself to have fun with the style, it can open up so many different opportunities to create so many different games. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and really and really go more experimental, really push it rather than having a set look and kind of only making games that fit within that look in a sense so i think that's really cool i think i really like that serenity forge feels like they're open to being experimental which is nice oh yeah for sure so outside of work and besides working at serenity forge you're working on your very own webcomic an anthropology consisting of four stories with similar themes across the board can you tell us a little bit more about it it's pretty much something i've been working on my free time here and there whenever i get the chance um it's a bit of an anthropology in the same way like the uh discworld series the stories don't really need to be read in order. They all just sort of take place in like the same world. And this world is actually just Earth, really. You don't need to read all of them to understand the full of it. It's it's mm. just, you know, different stories. They do follow like a similar theme across it all, is that pretty much we follow characters who are a bit troubled. They tend to be dodgy of their own personal problems and avoid the issues in favor of a more idealistic reality that brings them comfort. But of course, you know, that sort of avoidance can only really get you so far. Mm -hmm. And it's mostly because I really love deeply flawed characters who, despite whether they are very charming, talented, or clever, they still sort of dig their own graves. (laughs) Um, Yeah. They aren't necessarily incompetent. In fact, I think they are far from it. But when, you know, the world just provides you issues that feels too granular, it feels pretty easy to just run from it all. And mm-hmm. at that point, it's just kind of their jobs to come and learn. It's it's easy to buy into escapism, which I really do feel is important. Like, you do need that in your life. But at a certain point, you do kind of have to ground yourself and come to terms with what's at hand. That's really cool. The those themes about um like being competent but still flawed. I feel like it's easy to start with a character who is has a lot of flaws. Yeah. And then they like grow into their <laughs> own. But I, I like that where the, the characters feel a little bit more fleshed out. Uh, already and yeah. because of like maybe their habits mm-hmm. they have like they're just getting yeah. further and further into their yeah because for me i i do think it's definitely important for them to be flawed because like even like the most capable people have their negative points and it's mm. for me personally i i like to have these sorts of characters because despite them being confident i just feel like one of the most enduring events like a person can go through that's honestly kind of horrifying and from my own experience is that you can be the most capable person in the room but when the odds are stacked against you it feels like you have to be extraordinary as to not slip up and Mm. in that in itself is kind of frustrating Mm -hmm. totally so one of okay, so one of the things that we also in this podcast we like spotlighting artists who are growing voices and who are very early on in, in their careers, and it, we think it's also very important for us to like highlight by POC artists. Mm-hmm. So for you, has your culture had a significant influence on your art and the stories that you tell? I would say to a degree, it definitely has a hand in my art and stories. I wouldn't really say that the stories or the art I tell is too entirely in tune to either my black culture or Korean culture. It's never really about the mythologies of those cultures, although maybe it's in here or there, but I don't think it's ever really the target or focus of the story. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of personal experiences 
as a uh, mixed race person within the story that seep in and those are what kind of comes through as well as you know just my experience um, growing up as a uh, military brat or you know just peers <laughs> attitudes towards me <laughs> being mixed or you know just simply general mental health sort of things that kind of come up. I think the most obvious scenario where I can be like, yeah, it's it's part of my culture and this is why I have it is that, you know, I do like having mixed characters here and there. So that is it. And the whole thing about escapism where I mentioned where I think it just kind of comes from my own personal wanderlust because I do have the feeling and the itch to move around a lot. And I think that just kind of comes back to being a child in a military family. We would move around every two to four years and I would always just find myself feeling like it's time to move. <laughs> like mm. I, I've seen what this place has have to offer. It's 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 ready to go, and that's kind of been the weird transition point in my life when I finally settled down to this place in Colorado, and I'm just like, I'm still here more than two years, and it's it's a little odd. <laughs> I also do distinctly um, remember at some point when I was like at my grandparents' house, my dad was showing my sketchbooks off to like one of my relatives and like I tend to eavesdrop and honestly the walls weren't that thick. So <laughs> I offhandedly heard that he was concerned about the amount of imagery of running away in there that he was thinking, was I planning to run away or something? Oh uh, my god. <laughs> yeah. uh, like a deep oh, no. read. Just <laughs> 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 I, I don't think it was that deep. And but, you know, to some degree I I think yeah, I did I do like first thing want to, you know, escape and go to a place away from everything and you know, that that's not a bad thing. But yeah, I do think that sort of imagery tends to pop up here and there. I actually have a quick question, sorry. because uh, it just popped into my head and so because I feel like a lot of people often refer to video games as a way of escapism yeah. to, like, you know, free yourself from reality. And from talking to you, and it seems like that's been a recurring thing in your early art and yeah. uh, and you. Do you think that's what drew you to video games and wanting to work with video games? Is that idea of escapism? I would say yes and no. I do agree that the video games are a way for me for escapism, but I never really had it in mind that I would work in a video game studio. However, I do definitely adore it in a way that it's just like, it still is within that path. Because in general, for me, like, I've always looked to um, stories and just like sequential art in general, just media, like whether it be comics, movies, or video games as a path to that. And video games are definitely a strong one for sure. But I guess it's not mm -hmm. necessarily um, video games exclusively so much as I guess just that medium in general where you can just go to a place somewhere not your own and I think that's pretty fantastic and I I think in some ways it's kind of like a way like for somebody to go to and just kind of eventually come to muster up the energy and courage to be less avoidant like you you've had your time in this other place and now now it's time to like come to terms with the world around you that's really cool so, like, to go back to, I guess, kind of your culture, mm -hmm. and not necessarily, like, your racial culture or anything, but that's mm -hmm. interesting to me, being biracial, like, and, like, I yeah. do feel that because my two families are very different, but they're also both, like, East Asian, so there's some similarities, yeah. but it definitely feels, like, conflicting and, like, I uh, don't really fit into one or the other, and then there's also the separate culture of, like, growing up and, like, being an American or whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I just think that's very interesting 
to think of that as culture, right? Like being the third culture kid and yeah. also the culture of like traveling around to, to military mm. bases. Yeah. yeah, I think that's honestly really great. I, I honestly love hearing that you're, yeah, adding more mixed characters or liking to draw mixed characters because I feel like that's something that correct me from I feel that isn't too represented I feel like right now we're in a stage where we're representing our culture but I feel like we often overlook that some people have more than one yeah and are in that weird space and I think even even for myself I think the thing that struggling with being like a Mexican-American is that you're either too Mexican <laughs> to be American and you're too American to be Mexican yeah actually I do have a story about that because like growing up mixed it's just like you grow up and you really do see the world in like two very different lenses and I feel this a lot so especially like for me because uh, you know I'm black and I'm Asian and it feels like being a reverse chameleon because to my family in Korea of course you know I'm not Korean to them but to my family in Mississippi I'm not black to them and well to <laughs> the people around you you know in school You'll, they'll like to stick you in different boxes, but never both, because um, that just doesn't seem to look mm -hmm. for some reason. Instead, you tend to be that person that they like to go to as the person they like to play the guessing game with of, who's that race? Oh, but yeah. that's, that's a fun time. But it's very interesting to me as well, because one side of me is the quote-unquote model minority, because you know how Asians in this country, it's like, to them, the word hardworking and do no wrong mm -hmm. almost in a sense whereas the other side is like that less desirable minority and people are like well that's black and we don't really want to say you're black because mm -hmm. especially if you grew up smart and talented every other person like in high school has been like well clearly you've got that from your Asian side and mm -hmm. it's really a backhanded compliment to be quite honest because no one really wants to acknowledge that black people could be more talented than I think like I do think mm. the idea of that feels harsh because even if you don't mean wrong at all people tend to look at this community that they need to help which is true this you need to help these voices be boosted, but in such a way that it's kind of infantized. Like, oh, mm -hmm. this is the one that they can't be better than me. I'm the one who's helping them sort of thing. And it just mm -hmm. kind of comes with me in that it's hard. I have like this culture where I definitely have to work harder to meet this expectation that, yes, I can prove a point and be better. Alongside the Asian culture where they're constantly like, well, you've got to keep hard to prove your self-worth. And it's just this sort of vicious cycle of never knowing if you've ever really done enough because like that's where the whole competency comes in with deeply flawed characters come in for me because like I feel like just never being aware if you're good enough or if it's like the odds are against you because like the line is so fuzzy you kind of doubt yourself like am I actually good enough or is there really this disadvantage around me that I just can't control and it's it's really hard mm -hmm. to like figure out that's some like hard insights for people to like absorb and understand like you're saying i mean completely everything you said like being put in boxes and just being backhanded complimented where it's like okay i worked really hard to do this thing and then somebody comes along and is like oh you just did it because you're asian or like yeah. i mean at some point i do laugh at it as like a joke but it, it like those microaggressions really build up and it's like dude i like really worked my ass off like i really worked yeah. hard like or like <laughs> Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with my race. Yeah, and there's like no doubt, like growing up mm -hmm. in middle school, you know, 
being in middle school and just being so used to these remarks where I'm like, yeah, it's because I'm Asian that I'm doing all these things. And like, you feel like you have to live this expectation. But then it's kind of weird growing up, kind of realizing, wow, people are really just kind of dissing on black people here mm-hmm. it, in such a way that's kind of uncomfortable. It's just every time mm-hmm. people would draw these comparisons, it wouldn't be for anything good. It just... Mm-hmm. Never feels great. And by the end of the day, it's like, I'm I'm both. I'm not one or the other. I'm both. And you just kind of have to deal with that. Yes. No, I'm, I'm, I'm also very happy that, yeah, we went here and we were able to talk about this because I think all this is very, very important because, I mean, I personally love being a representation mm-hmm. of my background, but at the end of the day, I am yeah. my own person. I am me. I'm multifaceted with many different dimensions. And yeah, I don't like just being identified by one single aspect because all of us are multidimensional. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, on that topic, I would like to bring it back around to the Black Lives Matter movement. They did approach me before the time of recording and how they would like to speak about it. And I would love to open up the floor now to them to just uh, share their thoughts on the movement itself, uh, how they feel, anything like that. So, uh, LaTanya? Yeah, so I know as a um, mixed race person, I don't have the same experiences as a um, black person within the community. Whereas, like, I do still think there are some shared things. Um, I think, for example, um, with the whole Black Lives Matter movement that has been going on, the support all around has been, it's been great, like, admittedly. But honestly, there is still that sort of dark underbelly to it at all, where it's become kind of obvious throughout the months that a lot of this stuff that people do is quite performative. Mm -hmm. Just ultimately, I think it's important that these big studios come out and say they support Black Lives, but it's like, when are they going to support Black talent? Yeah, totally. Because it's definitely out there, and it just kind of goes back to people looking at this community like they can't because they can't find talent there and that that's simply not true but like they just want to help without actually putting this legwork in trusting in this community to put their voices out there and um it's really unfortunate i think yeah it's definitely uh speak with action rather than speak with words for sure yeah and i think that's a good point like you're saying you got to put in the legwork and i know it's really difficult for these recruiters who are looking at like hundreds of profiles they do whatever they can to you know make it as easy as possible uh, as quick as possible for them but really i think we have to make an effort to be anti-racist which means that it's going to take more work to seek out these people to like find those communities and really dig in and you know put your money where your mouth is if you're going to say support black lives matter like you say then support black talent and go the extra mile take the extra effort yeah, it kind of comes back to, um, I know there was a thing that came up where somebody made a directory of Black artists, and a lot of people got contacted through this list, myself included, actually, for like opportunities, and a grand majority of us got ghosted in the end. And it's like, oh, no. well, what was that oh, all wow. about? <laughs> Yeah, and like, yeah, I, I get it. Like, if you don't want to go through the project, you don't want to go through with the project. But with how much it happened to people, it leads me to believe that this was just, you know, this performative act where people are going to be like, well, I did my part, and therefore no one can criticize me. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, admittedly, I do not blame the um, studio that reached out to me because they were supposed to get funding from elsewhere. The uh, person who was pitching this project was um, Black himself, and as far as I know, I don't think he ever got funding for this um, thing oh, he wanted to create. So it's kind of unfortunate. To go back, I think something we should all keep in mind moving forward is that this, the whole thing that's happening with the Black Lives Matter movement, it's it's more than a, it's more than a movement. It's not just this thing in this moment in time. It's not this thing that's only going to be contained in the year 2020. It's something that we got to actively keep thinking about and keep showing support through action. Keep it going. It's, it's like as soon as 2020 is over, it's not going to stop. It's yeah. just something we got to keep actively keep in our minds and keep doing moving forward. Obviously, like with anything, it is kind of losing a little bit of traction, but mm-hmm. it's one of those things that we just can't stop. Like, just because it's not trending doesn't mean it's not still happening. It's just something that we, I keep repeating myself, but we just actively got to keep showing support, keeping that in mind, and just realizing that we need these diverse voices to be showcased and to be heard. Yeah, that's pretty well put. So moving on, one of the things I actually want to talk more about, and I think it's interesting because I want to hear more about this, is that how was your experience attending the Rocky Mountain College of Art and Design? I definitely love the experience. Um, I know there's like a lot of controversy of whether or not you should go to art school. And I don't really have mm-hmm. any hard feelings either way. It's just a matter of if it's for you or not. For me personally, I really love the community of being able to grow up around other artists. And it never really feels like you're in a bubble, even if there's a bunch of artists around you. I feel like it's important to know what everybody else around you is doing and challenging yourself in that sort of way and like just seeing different perspectives and how they approach art and just in general for your own betterment it's a good way to just kind of in a way a reality check for me because sometimes you just kind of draw in a corner and you think you're where you're at and until you look at everybody else and you're like you know i gotta challenge myself a bit mm-hmm. i know i think that's I, I think with any school whether art school or like yuki and i went to san jose state being in a in a space where you are with many uh, different arts from many different skill levels yeah it's a reality checker it's a way to like kind of like i don't want to say is it like learning humility or being humble saying like oh i still have a ways to go i still have a oh, ways totally. to learn yeah definitely. Yeah. so <laughs> it's it's very very humbling i think i think there was actually one of our teachers uh told us i this could be either good or bad depending how you want to view it but identify who you believe is the best person in the class and then because w- we had to put up our work on the wall put your work up to next to that person and see how your work progresses because you're gonna if you keep putting your work next to the best you're gonna see what's wrong with yours and you're gonna see what you need to improve on to get better and eventually you'll see that gap less and less every time you put your artwork next to that person that you identified to be the best so i thought that was interesting i've never heard about that technique before but it's a really interesting perspective think about it yeah so what helped you to decide that rmc was like the right choice (laughs) i had to stay within my state because my parents didn't want me um going anywhere else Mm. mostly because I'm a bit shy, and they didn't really trust me to go anywhere else. Oh. <laughs> um, so, but I always knew I wanted to go to an art school. I guess for me personally, the other appeal to an art school for me is that I don't need to focus on other assignments. That's not mm-hmm. 100% true. You still need to do like academic work within art school, but I wanted most of my time and free time to be focused in on honing in my art schools and I believe that sometimes some colleges just don't offer that time 
available to people that they would like to own their crafts in. So your, your parents wanted you to stay in the state, but did you ever consider schools outside? And then they were like, mm, no, you should stay here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's definitely how it started. It was like, I'm <laughs> going to go out of state. And they're like, no, you aren't. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> I guess I ask because I am coming from a California perspective, but it also very much feels like people try to like go to California or uh, NYC or like a big place where there seems to be like more studios. And I don't necessarily think that's like going to give you a leg up if you like travel out of state. So I'm just very curious, like that RMC obviously like provides you a good education. And if that was like any bearing on your decision. It was, it was solely my parents. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, I, I, I definitely like I feel like coming out and graduating out of RIMCAT, I've kind of come to the realization I don't need to go like to this fancy art school off in California or Florida. Mm-hmm. But I will definitely say when I was looking for a college, I did have that mentality where I was like, I felt like I needed to go either there closer to where the studios are to make something of myself. And I will say, like, I do think to some degree it's true that the industry is somewhat California dominated and I do wish it totally. spread out a little bit. But I don't think that's necessarily, um, I guess, a down point to artists who tend to choose other places. You, you'll find opportunities elsewhere and that's just fine. Okay, so for me, I, what, what I'm actually finding interesting hearing is because how you said yourself, you're you are a military brat, so you're you're used to moving around a lot. So I'm actually very yeah. surprised that coming from a background where you're constantly moving and moving from new location, new location, they weren't open to the idea of you going yeah. out of state. To me, that's just interesting. I yeah, what, wasn't expecting that, that is, it. <laughs> that is definitely a part of why I felt like I needed to just get out of there because I was mm-hmm. like, I've I've lived here. I need to because I love seeing new places. Like it, it was more of a familial sort of situation because if they were moving in with me they, they wouldn't have mind but it was just me on my own and I guess that thought just kind of scared them too too much but it, it worked out in the end so no yeah, yeah. I'm happy like yeah you <laughs> you're, you're at a studio you're working and so that's that's the goal that's oh, the goal and I'm glad and for our audience as long as like you work hard it doesn't really matter whether you go to a state school or an art school whether it's in California or in Colorado you can still get a job yeah you can still succeed mm-hmm it's just what you do with, with what you're you're given. Yeah, it's definitely not the end all be all. Mm-hmm. That that said, I do think it's it's about the connections and, and the mm-hmm. reason why like people who go to these schools in California tend to like get these jobs so easily is that they're so connected to all these people. And it, it definitely is harder if you are working in like a remote school, say in another state like Wyoming or something. But like definitely don't let that get you down. There definitely does need to be some reworks here and there for other voices to be heard by the end of the day. So uh, keep working for it. So I think we've kind of already touched upon this, but mm-hmm. maybe we can dig a little a little deeper yeah uh, what truly inspired you to become an animator and to pursue a career in the industry so um despite you know growing up with these sort of escapist sort of ideals um i can't always say i wanted to be an animator growing up the i guess the concept of being an animator being a job didn't really come to me till like late high school or like people actually animate and do this for a living but even with that said my point of view back then was like a little more pessimistic because like as much as i love animation i've always been told that you know it's a dying field and you know the dream was kind of dead to me in a way (laughs) (laughs) i was like well um i can't do animation but i still like the thought 
process of like being involved because like the thing about the animation industry is that you don't need to be an animator to be a part of the industry there is still biz dev there is still storyboarding and all this stuff for sequential art that contributes to the greater picture so i always just kind of thought in general i do like that sort of field and that environment but like i never thought i'd land a role in animation but you know lo and behold i do animation now so that's pretty <laughs> exciting but i guess they say this strictly for 2d animation because like well you know 3d animation is pretty booming right now that said i did do 2d animation at work as well so best of both worlds um i do think it's important to have the skill set in animation in general 3d 2d just expand because the world is constantly changing and honestly it does look like 2d animation is making a comeback with like shows popping up on netflix and hulu that are originals Mm -hmm. and it's like maybe there is something there yeah it's really exciting i mean especially like in america uh, (laughs) (laughs) of all places (laughs) i know in america uh there's more and more studios popping up which is fantastic Uh, oh yeah i know i mean like there's 2d animation being done in like australia uh, canada ireland um the uk stuff like that but it's definitely much harder to get a job in 2d animation here but i think that is really cool like indie studios for tv and and games and Mm -hmm. uh, even feature there's a couple Mm -hmm. but like we have animation here in the states so it's not completely gone but it it yeah. is realistic to say it's not a super big industry. So. Yeah. yeah. But I do definitely think there's hope for it. It, it definitely yeah. does look like... Like, even in um, games, like, not exclusive to um, TV, it feels like people are becoming more experimental with styles again now that we're kind of hitting this peak of graphics. It's just like, we can't get much more realistic than this. And it's easy mm-hmm. to just kind of dial back and just have games that look like Hollow Knight where it's pretty flat, but it looks great. Yeah, just leaning yeah. on that style. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, kind of going back, yeah, I think oftentimes people don't realize that there is still 2D work out there. It does tend to be more in the, in the smaller studios. Yeah. It's because like the first thing I ever got a chance to work on as an intern um, when I was at Tonka House and they were doing the pig, the Dan Cooper poems, and all of that was animated in-house by, I think, like, only four animators. And then uh, I just helped with uh, cleaning up keys, and then it was cleaned, the rest was cleaned up in the uh, their partner studio in Japan. But yeah, that was, it was super, super cool. It was like a small 10-episode uh, yeah. series, five, five minutes long each for, like, Hulu Japan. Unfortunately, I don't think it's in Hulu America, but if any <laughs> of you guys have, like, if any of you guys have, like, NordVPN or, like, any kind of VPN service that you can change your location to to like japan you guys could watch it my name will be there but it will be in japanese hmm. <laughs> but yeah it just it's crazy to me because uh yeah i was sitting along with two people that were actually animating and, and yeah in college i heard that it was dying it's dead but it's there it's out there no it's not i know and then it, ray was like not. you should join story because animation is dead fuck you ray fuck you <laughs> it's definitely not bountiful but it's there so to wrap this up, <laughs> yeah. uh, Latanya, what advice do you have for students that would want to pursue a career in this industry? So it's really hard to not, you know, give the uh, typical trite advice of work hard and you'll get there. Um, it's true. Um, you do definitely need to put the legwork in it. It is a competitive field. But I do think it's very important to acknowledge that the industry itself has room to expand and grow. That being said, it's very important to make 
connections. Um, not not only so you can just land a job, like you really shouldn't leech on people just for the sole purpose of I think I get a job if I'm friends with this person. Don't don't do that. Um, essentially, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what what I'm trying to say is like even if not for the connections, I do think it's important to um, talk with people with the same interests as you and grow and support each other together because like I feel like growing up if I did not have a support group of friends who were also artists and like you know just talking about each other's art I don't think I would have grew much as an artist not necessarily because I don't think I would have been challenging myself I just think that as a person you just kind of need that support to keep going especially in times where like it's just hard to know whether or not you're good enough and you you just need that reassurance and support from others and you should do the same to them too because like I I feel that goes a long way you give in and then you get back sort of thing I I definitely feel like community is a big part of it and I guess for um, even more advice for um, aspiring artists is that don't get too awfully discouraged um, if you don't get a job right off gate like especially if you're by POC like admittedly the industry does have the cards stacked against you in a way that's not fair and your voices do definitely need to be heard so it's like, don't, don't give up. Um, we, we need those voices. Mm-hmm. And that itself, like, you never know what um, a studio is looking for. Sometimes they're more than capable. It's just that they're not looking for this sort of art in the time being. So just keep complying, um, have a diverse portfolio, and hopefully catch some eyes. Excellent. Great advice. Well, thank you mm-hmm. so much for joining us yeah. today. Yeah. Where can our listeners yeah, find you? So much fun. <laughs> and is there anything else you want to uh, promote? So I could be found on mostly these days. I'm just on Twitter, but I do also have a Tumblr at Latte Draws. I do also have an Instagram called Latte Doodles. If you enjoyed our interview with Latanya today, please rate us on Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP and let us know your response to today's in-between questions. Or if you have any suggestions for future in-between questions, Contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for future guests, please contact us. We love discovering new artists and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thanks again for listening, and thank you once again to our guest, who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.